0: Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome back to another episode of the Animals to the Max podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. Thank you for joining me today or tonight. Whenever you listen to the show, you know I appreciate you. Okay, so today I am so excited because... And I'm actually... I can't even believe we haven't covered manatees sooner, but today... We're almost 200 episodes in and we finally cover manatees. I don't know about you. I have always been fascinated with manatees. I think ever since I was a kid, learning about manatees, I remember seeing them, um, you know, at SeaWorld underwater, learning about their rescue and rehabilitation programs. It just they've always fascinated me. And I knew I wanted to get someone on the show to talk about them because manatees. And I remember as a kid, they had these, you know, conservation initiatives to talk about save the manatees because they would have problems with boat collisions. And I remember learning about this and, you know, kind of thinking back, it it probably was the first conservation initiative I ever heard of as a kid is like save the manatees from boats and That always kind of stuck out to me. Well, it turns out manatees are not only in trouble with boats, but they now are in trouble because they're starving. There is a food shortage with seagrass loss. Now, listen that sounds super negative. Don't worry, this is not a complete doom and gloom podcast, but it is very uh, fascinating to learn that manatees are really up against a lot of different things. And we're hoping though to change this and hoping to bring awareness. And that's why on the show today, I have Patrick Rose. Patrick has been fascinated with manatees for over 50 years. He is an aquatic biologist and the executive director of the Save the Manatees. Manatee Club. He comes on the show and talks about manatees and talks about the work they are doing out in the field on saving manatees. And he also lets, you know, listeners at home know, like, how you can help. I mean, I'm in Idaho, my landlocked state. We don't, we're fresh out of manatees, but he uh, talks about how I could help here in Idaho. So it is a very fascinating, just a discussion about these unique animals. As you'll learn in the interview, manatees are like a canary in the coal mine. They are very uh, sensitive to the environment. And by looking at them, by studying them with these manatees dying off, they're really trying to show us something. They're trying to say, hey, listen, people, we need to clean up our waterways because things are not going good. Things are going south. So once again, there is so much interesting insight in this interview. Now, uh, I do want to say before we head on over to the interview with Patrick. I want to say hello to our new Patreon member. We have April. April, thank you so much for joining us. April is now part of our Patreon-only exclusive community where she can now listen to behind-the-scenes interviews and the after show. After every interview of the Animals to the Max podcast, we do an after show, and it just... It's kind of an exclusive, more in-depth interview that is for Patreons only. And if you're a fan of the show and you want to hear the whole show, like the whole interview, I encourage you to join the Patreon page. All you have to do is head on over to patreon.com slash animals to the max and you can listen to those exclusive interviews in the patreon uh, episode today i talked to patrick about uh, manatees how they uh, i asked him if manatees are really gassy because i've learned that you know manatees actually fart a lot he also talks about manatees and their interactions with alligators seriously it is so fascinating join us for the after show with that said let's just get to it patrick Welcome to the show. Good morning.
1: Glad to be here.
0: I am so excited. We're finally almost 200 episodes in Patrick and we are finally talking about the manatee. I cannot wait.
1: Well there's a lot going on right now with manatees. We've we've had a a long recovery period for them from when they were hunted to near extinction but we've now passed that curve and we're kind of sliding down the other side and we hope we can reverse that soon.
0: Yeah, I hope so, too. And I mean, just to kind of jump to it after doing some research, I mean, my goodness, uh, you know, Florida alone is home to
1: what, 6,800 manatees? It would be somewhere between that and as maximum say it'd be 8,500 perhaps, but I think we have less than that.
0: Wow. And right now something happened where, I mean, we lost over 750 this year. Can we talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, sadly, it's already pushed up to about 890, and it's going to go higher.
0: Wow. Okay,
1: so what's going on? Well, the, the most immediate threats came this winter when we had a combination of a lot of loss of seagrass coverage in the Indian River Lagoon. That was as a result of too much nutrient loading over many years that led to a series of algal blooms, And those algal blooms shaded out the light and prevented the seagrass from growing and therefore literally killed it, leaving the manatees without enough to eat and the requirement to stay warm in the wintertime. So that combination proved deadly.
0: Wow. And it's the most, I mean, loss in, in a really long time, right? Like a
1: record? It's an absolute record by far, and it's not over. We're just now in the very first week of August, but we've already said nearly 900. The worst ever for an entire year in a very bad year, unusual, was 830. So we're going to probably be 11, 1200 before this year's over, but even more concern is that the problem that caused the hundreds of manatees to die of starvation won't be fixed by next winter. So we're going to be facing another serious situation in terms of manatees being malnourished and perhaps starving. And there's a lot going on now to try to do something about that, but we're not there yet.
0: Man, so when I was a kid, I mean, I feel like Save the Manatees, it was always a huge conservation initiative. I mean, here growing up in Idaho, but I remember it was mainly about boat traffic, right? Like the strikes and having boat collisions and this whole um the seagrass loss is something that's really new um you know what i mean to to what we're learning it, it really
1: is and it it's not something we should have been having to face it's really because of a decade's worth of new over nutrient loading the system it's leaking septic tanks, it's sewage that's not processed to the advanced wastewater treatment standards, it's the fertilizers coming both off of individual residential lawns as well as combination from agriculture. So we've got to do a much better job of protecting the ecosystems the aquatic ecosystems from that excess nutrient loading
0: sure okay so i kind of want to jump let's um jump back just to just ahead because i know i kind of dove right sure. in, i dove right into the doom and gloom <laughs> someone like listening yeah. to this is like oh god this is such a depressing interview but let's just talk about the manatee in general the animal i mean Can we just get into it? I'm just so fascinated with these animals. Let's talk about maybe some of your fun facts where they're found and kind of go from there for listeners who maybe are unfamiliar with the manatee.
1: Well, the, the manatee, the species is the West Indian manatee. Hmm. And there are two subspecies, the Florida manatee, which is in southeastern United States, and then the Antillean manatee, which would be throughout the Caribbean. So that gives you an idea. There are also two other species of manatees, one in South America, which is essentially a freshwater manatee in the Orinoco-Amazon River systems. And then off the west coast of Africa, there's a third species, very Our... similar to
0: ours. Really? I feel like a lot of people don't know about the the west african manatee and the south american variety i feel like we just hear about the the florida version the west indian
1: well it's the the most that's going on in terms of both the conflicts with man in terms of growth and development and so forth here in Mm -hmm. in florida but if you go all the way back in fact let's take us back a little farther to the 1700s there was a fourth member of the order sirenia that was the stellar sea cow
0: Oh, yeah. It
1: was extirpated in just about 27 years in the mid-1700s from oak killing them for their, their meat and their, their hides and so forth. So that's the first tragedy. Fortunately, we we've, we've got involved with the Florida manatee, and it was enlisted endangered species in the late 60s. A lot of effort went into that, but it was down to less than a 1,000 manatees. Wow. And so a lot of hard work working together. Uh, we were able to help that population improve upwards to something close to that 8,000. But now again, I will, we'll go back and talk about the uniqueness of the animal, but, but now we're facing that, you know, future that doesn't look so good after a lot of hard work went into bringing them this far back. But the manatees themselves, I mean, what, it's just an amazing animal. So they're a marine mammal. They can grow up to not always to 12 feet, but, 10, 10 wow. feet and about 1,000 pounds is sort of an average manatee, but they can weigh, weigh more than 3,500 pounds, especially a large female manatee. Wow. They What's really unique about them is that they're not aggressive at all. They're the most docile animal you can imagine being that big and sort of foreboding when you're underwater. You see them, you go, oh, you know, wow, I better be careful. The reality is they're just as peaceful and and animal that there is they're not capable really of aggression
0: wow and they are just and is it true though that early um oh my gosh like early like i guess people like discovering the area or the new world thought that they were mermaids right aren't manatees responsible for mermaids
1: well it's thought to be and but christopher columbus was one of the first ones to explain well they were really not quite so beautiful as they were made out to be so when he got a close look at them in the caribbean he, he realized he's, that's the connection but the reality is you know they didn't hold up quite to the standard that were in people's minds if you will
0: i think i think they're beautiful i oh my god and they're so peaceful too i got to interact with a few many many years ago and feeding them pieces of romaine lettuce and it was such a cool experience i'll never forget it it just ah it was something um yeah it was just incredible
1: well, hopefully you were at one of the rehab facilities. Oh, yes, yes, that's... yes. I, I, yeah, hold on. <laughs> I should point out.
0: <laughs> yeah, I should say I was not out in the wild. We were actually right. at in a credited zoological facility. I was at, uh, let's see, they were at SeaWorld San Diego. And this was like back in 2005. So yeah. years ago. Um, I don't think they have them anymore, but they were there uh, rehabbed. Um, and yeah, we were able to go back and feed them. But no, I wasn't out in the wild doing that. <laughs>
1: All right. I just wanted to make that point with we it is important that people don't just arbitrarily feed manatees in the wild or even get them water even though they'll take those things oh. it sets them up for harm from others who are not so careful.
0: Uh-huh. Is that a problem too cuz I mean in Florida isn't swimming with the manatees a huge tourist attraction? Patrick
1: It is especially in Kings Bay Crystal River area uh-huh. and it when it was only you know a few hundred divers a year or swimmers it was one thing and we set up sanctuaries so the manatees that wanted to be away from those divers and swimmers could have their place to be alone but it's uh-huh. grown into a, a hundreds of thousands a year oh, now, and really? so there's a lot of uh, there's just too much going on and and the manatees are not getting the rest in peace and the amount of sanctuaries space available has not kept pace so it's something that while it may not kill them outright it, it the cumulative effect of so much interaction is is a problem we're working on that we're trying to come and work with the tour guides and the groups to uh, we established what was called a guardian guides program so that we could get commitments for them not to interact not to pet them or you know grab them or chase them and what have you it's done better on an individual basis, but the cumulative effect is still pretty overwhelming.
0: Yeah, and they're pretty slow moving, right? So they'd be pretty easy to well, come they, up to and I mean that's is that the problem people coming up trying to touch wild ones?
1: Yes, that's part of the problem. And and of course they're really there for the most part to stay warm in the wintertime. Because manatees while they're large they have fat. They're not like a pinniped or a seal or, or, or even the cetaceans uh-huh. where they have a complete blubber layer. Manatees don't have that. So, and they're also, their metabolic rate is pretty low. Mm. And so they are subject to, to dying of cold stress in the wintertime. And so that's why they come to the natural springs. And so that area that the swimming is going on is a large area with a lot of springs. The water stays 72, 73 degrees year round. But the manatees need that to stay warm. So we've got to be careful that they don't get driven out of those warm water areas and then are exposed not only to the cold, but also the boat traffic. Because still the leading cause of death for manatees is collisions with watercraft. And if you look at most manatees alive today, they already bear the scars Uh. from having been hit. It's not because boaters don't care or they're trying to hurt them, but they occupy the same sort of shallow water habitats because manatees have to feed on vegetation. They're a vegetarian. They will occasionally take a a fish or something if it's right there, gets caught in a net or something that could happen. But they're predominantly vegetarians. And so they're slow moving, but they can respond to very powerful rapid if they need to for a short length of time and in fact even during research where they may be captured to fit them with transmitters and follow them you know you could get hurt if you're not careful around an animal that that that's that big and that powerful when they but they're not doing it to try to hurt you it would be a complete accident
0: mm-hmm. so what are your suggestion I mean if someone wants to I mean because it's honestly it's on my bucket list to go down and swim with manatees at some point what do you suggest? How do we make sure that we um, do something that's maybe eco-friendly, that's not going to harm the manatees? What are your What are your tips to make sure we follow right. all the, yeah, to make sure we're not messing with them?
1: So we've got a very short list of uh, tour operators that have agreed to some very high standards and not mm. to ever engage and touch a manatee or try to pet them or grab them and so forth. And not to, you know, so... They would approach up to, say, a body length of the manatee, and then if the manatee came to that diver, that's one thing, but you shouldn't keep approaching it or following after it or, you know, right now what's happening is that they're literally being disturbed while they're feeding, while they're resting. But it can be done safely if it, if you're quite careful with it. But we have to still be concerned about that sort of cumulative effect. And our website actually gives a couple of, uh, SaveTheManatee.org gives a couple of, of outfitters that will have promised to do it safely. And in fact, we even have sort of secret diver programs, where we'll send somebody over to make sure they're still following those guidelines
0: Oh, properly. my God. Okay, now, aren't you happy, though? It's kind of like a double-edged sword, though, because aren't you happy there is so much interest to see them and want to protect them?
1: Absolutely, and that's why in the mid-80s, 1980s, when I was in charge of all the state of Florida's programs, I We went forward with rulemaking to make it illegal to touch it, uh, excuse me, to feed a manatee mm. or to give them water. We didn't make it just outright illegal to actually swim with or, or to even at that time to touch them if the manatee approached you because we wanted to develop in that affinity among the dive community and, and others it, to appreciate manatees and then help become part of the conservation effort. It's just that it's grown now to such an extensive level where you have hundreds of thousands of people. We've got to find a better solution. So, yeah, it's kind of a little bit of a double edged sword. But we but people do care about them. And I think it's been a por- an important part of that process.
0: Yeah, I've seen it in. And, you know, going over to Africa and traveling where you have so many – and I've seen it before where we haven't even participated in it. But I'll never forget we were watching a black rhino, which was super rare, and we saw some tour operators chasing the rhino, and the rhino's tail was up in the air and was so aggressive. And I remember we didn't even want to participate in it because it was like it's not natural, the animal's stressed, and there are some – you know, I don't know, just a uh, sketchy tour guy. So, you know, and tour operator. So, yeah, definitely make sure to do your research because that's not an experience you want to have, you know, with a stressed out animal, a stressed out manatee.
1: Right. And we know people are doing it because they do care. And it's, they just have to learn that you have to be there. And if the manatee wants to come to you, let that happen that way. And, and it will happen. The vast majority of manatees don't want to be around the divers and swimmers, but there are a few that have become accustomed to it and they will approach the divers. So the more you seek after the manatee, the more it's going to want to go away from you. So the best observation you can have is to get close, but then just stop. Let the manatee do whatever it's going to do. And you'll actually have a much better experience doing it that way.
0: Do they regulate how long you can be in the water with them at all?
1: Not specifically, although we're really trying to work hard, especially over the summer, to get them to stop doing the tours by, you know, the middle of the afternoon, because what's end up happening with so many, there's so much competition for those, the few manatees that stay there in the summertime, just don't even get any respite. They're sort of having one group after another after another. So there really needs to be a better standard for that.
0: And they could get stressed out pretty easily, Patrick, is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, it disrupts their feeding, and sometimes it, it can even lead to a separation of a mother and their calf and so forth. And then just it's just a sort of a gambit of all the different things. The most important thing is to let the manatee be the one that decides what it wants to do and whether it wants to spend time around the diver. Don't constantly be bringing, if you will, dozens or hundreds of people that all have to get that one photo right up close to the manatee that that can actually cause you know harm in the long run mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. and i want to go back because you said it's illegal to feed and to give manatees water but patrick they live in the water so i'm confused at that statement <laughs> can you explain <laughs>
1: Right. So in a freshwater situation, it kind of wouldn't matter. But manatees are in sort of all levels of salinity. So Mm -hmm. they can be in freshwater, full freshwater, estuarine water, which is a mixture of salt in, in freshwater, if you will, and then in full seawater. So when they're in those full seawater habitats in particular, they will seek out the fresh water from a little stream, or even the water dripping from the condensation of a boat. It'd be amazing what manatees can adapt. It's kind of like ice cream. They don't have to have it, but they love it. And so people knowing this will sometimes then put a a hose off of their dock and what have you, the manatees, so they can draw the manatees up. Well, most people think that's cool, but then we've also seen people do that. And then we had a couple of of teenagers jump on a cat, Uh get it up and then pull a prank. And jump right on it so let the manatees find the fresh water they don't have to have it they can get it from their plant and nutrition that way but they'll seek it out so it, it just can lead to the, those problems when you add that sort of extra man-induced part of it
0: you had teenagers trying to ride a manatee
1: well sadly we've had that and we've had a situation where some other teenagers literally put vegetation on a lure and threw it out to get the manatee to grab a hold of that lure and then snag it in its mouth. And so there have been, so that's why we don't want them to come accustomed to wanting to come up to people for handouts and so forth, because there are the, it's an the exception. There are a few only, but they can do some pretty, pretty terrible things to animals.
0: Oh my God! Well, I'm happy you guys are there. I uh, let's talk a little bit. So you said there's around 6,800 to 8,000, right?
1: Yes, so the 8,000 is sort of the higher limit that the Fish and Wildlife Commission uh, established back in 2016. Honestly, with the levels of mortality we've had, I would say we're probably closer to that 6,500 at this point in time.
0: Oh, man, that doesn't seem like a lot for the whole state of
1: Florida. It's really not. And when you see now for the first time that now we're seeing food limiting, that has never been a problem before for manatees. Uh, but it, it, it's an example of when you pass a tipping point in an estuarine system like the Indian River Lagoon. It's 152 miles stretch of the east coast of Florida. It's, that, it's an inland waterway, if you will. It's an estuary. And going back to just 2010, we had over 77,000 acres of seagrass, and that was way more than enough that the manatees would ever need, and they, they of mm-hmm. course, helped the population improve. So that together with the warm water that was there in the wintertime from one of the power plant discharges, that population in that region of Florida grew to over 2,000 manatees in the winter. But with that steady loss of seagrasses because of the repeated algal blooms, there's very little food left for them. So this last winter, they died by the hundreds because they were having to choose between staying warm in the middle of the winter and being able to feed. And their choice was to try to stay warm because there was no food within any reasonable distance of their, where they were in the winter time, and that's something that could have been avoided by having better water quality laws and standards and meeting and content keeping that pollution out of the system in the first place. We're now seeing that this could be happening in more places in Florida. So the future for manatees and our aquatic ecosystems is threatened even more. And if we lose a large number of manatees now, It won't be like the recovery potential we had before, say, when they were reduced from direct hunting and and poaching. This will be because the ecosystems itself cannot sustain them. The carrying capacity would have been exceeded, if you will. So that's a really, really serious problem. And so there's a lot of work going into it now, but we have a long ways to go.
0: M, is there a way to To feed them during this time, like to save the manatee club. Have I mean, can we get truckloads of romaine? I'm just like trying to figure out how to how to save these poor manatees who are
1: starving. So it's complicated. The good thing about the warm weather is that manatees can then range much more widely and find food in a lot of different locations. That's what's happening right now in the warm weather. So we're not having that continued loss in large numbers of manatees from starvation. But there are things that have to be done and to try to improve the overall for the regrowth of the habitat. And we are actually in discussions. I had an all-day meeting yesterday on that very topic should we look at feeding manatees next winter and is preventing this additional mortality and so there's efforts being undertaken as to how to do that but what we don't want to see is this just uncoordinated process where people are just deciding they're going to feed manatees on their own this is this is being looked at as a formal intervention action that may take place, in fact, when it's needed to happen. And so that's being worked on. I can't tell you what's going to happen yet, but I can tell you it's something that's very important to us that we prevent this large scale mortality next winter from happening again, because we won't have the recovery of the natural system by then. So there's a lot of work that's gonna have to go into that and contingency plans made and having a response ready.
0: Mm -hmm. and how much does a full-grown manatee eat on a day-to-day basis
1: well that's part of it so they can eat up to 100 pounds or more of vegetation a day 100 pounds a day holy lordy patrick oh my god okay if you multiply that by a thousand or more manatees you're talking about a huge you know 25,000 uh you know 25,000 kilos if you will of of vegetation that could be just to sustain those manatees that would be using that one particular area so this is a monumental crisis really and uh, so there are a lot of different pieces to solving the puzzle if you will
0: yeah this is not just like tossing in a head of romaine and hoping that if you get no. it it's like a thousand a hundred pounds of food a day oh my goodness
1: so that's a tremendous amount and to, of course it, Again, takes us back to why the seagrasses are such important structure within an estuary they not only are important to manatees but of course many other species are depend on them both for food but also for shelter that's the nursery grounds for many of your larval fishes and as they're growing mm. up the crabs all the different crustaceans and and you know rays and dolphins and just it's part of that that whole process is being undermined right now because We have too much human waste literally coming into that system through the groundwater, through the stormwater, and through the less than properly treated wastewater. So we're pushing too, besides a lot of the individual projects we're working on with other partners, we're trying to convince the federal government right now that this is also a part of that basic infrastructure funding that needs to happen. What is more important than how we deal with our human waste, and that's about one of the most most basic infrastructure needs you have. And that can, if, if it were happening on the upland, you'd be having other mass infections and so forth. But the same way that you could be have you know infections if you didn't take care, you had wastewater in your gutters and you know people getting infected directly. That's what's happening in the ecosystem by those excess nutrients going in there. The, these these uh, planktonic algal species, they take their food directly from the water column. So they can outcompete the seagrass that grows through a root structure or rhizomes from the bottom. So when they bloom because there's too much food in the water, literally it's dissolved in the water, but then they shade out all the, the vegetation that grows and then these systems collapse.
0: Oh, my goodness. So, I mean, how can someone help, though? I mean, you can't tell them not to use their toilet.
1: (laughs) You know (laughs) what I mean? Like, what do
0: I do? I don't want to, you know, I mean, it's yeah, it's
1: stuck between a rock and a hard place. So many things. But this week alone, we actually have just engaged several uh, billboards in the area that's most affected. We're asking people not to fertilize their lawns this summer.
0: Oh. And to be much
1: more diligent about the amount of fertilizer that can run off either directly into the, the systems or indirectly through the stormwater and make its way in. We're working really hard to get funding to help to take septic tanks offline so that, and get them to treated wastewater, but then also to improve the wastewater treatment to an advanced level, almost as good as you would have to, to drink it. And, of course, deal with the agricultural Situations You have things going on in places like Lake Okeechobee, which has one algal bloom after another. There literally have still been subsidizing sugar production when it's not needed. And that excess nutrients from the, the sugar production makes its way into that water body. And then it doesn't stay in Lake Okeechobee. It's actually discharged during higher you know, rain events. It goes out west of the Caloosahatchee River into the, those bays and systems, or east to the St. Lucie system and into the Indian River Lagoon. So we have decades of abuse and failure to meet our needs. We have not been growing sustainably in Florida. We have not had the standards that would protect our aquatic ecosystems, and that's catching up to us. So when you add climate change on top of that, things getting warmer and big cycles of of change, it's just going to exacerbate it further. So people can get involved, demand that their local government take care of their waste locally, demand that the state of Florida do more to set higher water quality standards, demand the local government. We're we're asking the Fish and Wildlife Service under the Endangered Species Act to reinitiate consultation under Section 7 to have the EPA make it a priority to protect the water quality because it then has impacts on species like the manatee, which is a, you know still a threatened species. And uh, so there's many different things that can be done, but people do need to stand up and add their voice to that.
0: I think so. If someone ignorant though, comes up to you and says, Patrick, why should we save manatees? Who cares? We only have 6,500 left.
1: Well, it's a, yeah. I say, if you care about your quality of life, if you care about being able to go swimming and not have and, and not be yeah. affected by uh, toxins in the water, if you care about not if you care about being able to breathe and not have to cough when you get near the waterway, if you care about not getting sick and dying, you should care about the manatees because they're the early warning. They're telling you this system is broken. And it's Mm. going to get if it gets worse, it's going to affect your human quality of life directly. And it already is. It's just not as bad as the the amount of mortality that's happening with manatees at this point in time. So they're they're telling us like the canary in the coal mine. Mm. There's something bad here. And if you don't do something about it you could be the next victim.
0: Well, that, and you said the seagrass is home to so many different types of fish and crustaceans. I mean, right. that, would, that would probably indirectly affect the, the seafood
1: industry, right? It absolutely would. And so it, if you think, and the, the good thing about it, some people will say, well, aren't the manatees eating up all the seagrasses? Well, that's not what's happening. Mm. So yes, they do eat a lot of seagrass, but they evolved with these systems together. So over the the millions of years of evolution and the process, manatees, when they forage on a seagrass bed or community, they actually stimulate the regrowth because they're not taking it all out. It's kind of like pruning your garden, if you will, and it grows back lusher and and more productive. And so it is it's man's influence and man's abuses that are causing these problems. And if you allow the ecosystem to, to grow and be sustained naturally, like the manatees being a part of that, it's actually more productive.
0: So I kind of want to switch the podcast uh, just a little bit and just ask yeah. you kind of about, you know, manatees, um, you know, are they social animals? Will the mom, like how long will the moms be with the calves? Like, can we go into just like the social sure. dynamics of the, uh, of the animals themselves?
1: Right. It's, it's really cool. So. Each individual female manatee will have her inter- own estrus cycle. So they don't have all their calves in the spring like some herd animals. So oh. they're a semi-social animal. Okay. The, the, when the female comes into estrus, she'll be pursued by a dozen or more males. They kind of all want to be first. They're not going to bite each other or, or fight, but they do want to be, you know, the father, if you will. Uh-huh. So they can, they would then, she'll actually... Resist that for a while, sometimes even beaching herself, because she's not quite receptive yet. But she's she's really kind of collecting more males for the competition that's going to go on for the survival of the fittest, if you will. And then eventually they'll mate, and she may mate with more than one at a time. The male won't stay with the female. So at about 12 months gestation period, they'll wow. have one calf. About every three to five years, so there's not they're not prolific breeders. Wow. They sometimes will have twins, but that's rare. The calf will stay with the mother a year at least, usually, and then sometimes up to two years. And so they'll be nursing. And manatees, you know, have their two flippers in the in the front, the mm-hmm. pectoral flippers, and the mammary glands located right under each, at where it meets the body. So that's where they'll, the calf will nurse. And it's it's we've we've seen a couple of the the births and the many of them right after they've been born, and you can you can see all the wrinkles and the dark skin and they weigh probably you know forty to seventy pounds depending on mm. the situation. They're about three feet long, but they're the cutest. Now that's when you see that little calf. They're the cutest thing you can imagine and mm-hmm. they're immediately being attention from the mother and the calf seeking out that bonding and so forth and that happens it's a beautiful thing uh, and there's no scars on the little guys because mm-hmm. they haven't had the encounter yet with the watercraft with so many of their mothers would have I didn't mean to bring the well I guess I did mean to bring the sort of the negative part of it into that because that can help people I think be more endeared to them in fact my personal situation I knew about manatees as as a child and so forth, but as soon as I could, I began scuba diving and got active underwater, built my own cameras and housing. And so when I first went to Florida, literally, to find and film manatees, it was not very clear water. So the first thing I saw in a manatee underwater was a big scar. Mm. And to this day, that happened back in the 60s to this day, I can still see that image in my head. And it meant something to me personally, to, to see that, you know, really wanted to see that animal underwater. They're a third bigger underwater to you, they appear. So it's just as massive, but literally this white scar on the manatee was the first thing I said, and I said right then and there, I want to work to help protect these animals and their aquatic ecosystems, so that we can make it a better world for them. And I've tried to do that, you know, now for that's about fifty years ago. So
0: wow, that's incredible. I didn't realize so. And you said they would. I'm sorry, they'd have a calf every one to three years, or three to five years. So three to five years. Oh, now my there are goodness. some
1: places like Blue Spring where we do a lot of research that there's a little more of an interval. We've had some of them, you know, giving uh, having a calf about every two to two and a half years. So that's great to some places. Others are going to be less. And in fact, unfortunately, bringing sort of that negative thing in again, on the east coast where we're seeing all these problems with starvation and malnutrition, we've seen there have been 100 calves rescued this year Hmm. already. Excuse me, I have that wrong. 20 calves rescued this year and over 100 manatees rescued. But there will be fewer manatees born because when those manatees are not being able to have enough to eat, they're suffering themselves and so there would be less reproduction as a result of that.
0: Is it a problem
1: from calves getting separated from their mothers? Does this happen a lot? It can happen, but more likely what's going to happen is that something happens to the mother. And so if she's killed by a boat, are harmed in some other way then it need then you need you'll have an individual calf that's you know needs to be rescued and brought in and and that's something that's happening right now it'd be good to talk about we have what's called the Manatee Rescue and Rehabilitation Partnership huh we're a founding member of that as save the manatee club in fact we're the fiscal sponsor of the of, of the group but it's made up of partners like the fish and wildlife service fish and wildlife commission SeaWorld of Florida uh, Miami's Aquarium, Zoo Tampa, you know Jacksonville Zoo, and uh, marine, uh, uh, other marine facilities and so forth, mm-hmm. too. So it's a big part of this partnership that people are really making an effort to rescue each and every sick or injured entity and bring them back to health and then ultimately return them and follow them through transmitters and so forth.
0: Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. What are your thoughts about manatees in captivity? Are the only ones in captivity the ones that are rescued? Because I've are there any facilities that just have them to have them?
1: So that's one of the good things about the situation is there really aren't facilities in the United States that can just have a manatee to display it because they want to display it as a result of being in the partnership where they're helping with the rescue, rehabilitation and so forth, there are facilities that will have manatees and there is a public awareness component, but they're not being held just to show them to the public. So every manatee that we can get nursed back to health, we wanna get them back out. There are some that just can't be released because they wouldn't do well, they would probably die. So some of those are still in captivity, but the vast majority of those manatees that come in are, are nursed back to health and then returned to the wild.
0: Yeah. And I want to say as a kid going to places like SeaWorld Orlando, um, I mean, it was a kid from Idaho growing up. I never would have seen a manatee unless I went to a park like that. And that's how I knew about Save the Manatee. And I just think it's so essential for people to see them like that. I mean, truly. And I, I think it's I think it's great. And And more often than not, aren't they all re-released back into the wild? I know there's a few that are kept like permanently, but the majority are re-released.
1: Well, the only that are kept permanently are the ones that really do it wouldn't do well if they were released. So sure. the goal is to get everyone back that they can. And these, this is a priceless process that's undertaking. These uh-huh. facilities are really sacrificing to help care for these manatees and nurse them back to health. It plays a wonderful role, like you said, of educating people about the manatees, helping them become more aware of what the The problems are but just to enjoy them so we're we're very very grateful for the members of the manatee rescue and rehabilitation partnership and all the hard work they do and of course in times like this there's so much more that has to be done
0: yeah and who if you can say who do you think has the best manatee exhibit or habitat uh
1: it's a great one um i think overall it's really been sea world of florida Mm -hmm. And uh, they had both in their active right where everybody came in and saw them. They kind of changed that over the years. Now they have more of it, an area where it's a lot of the behind the scenes effort, too. But they anywhere that they're holding manatees right now, they're all being held in places where it's a good experience for the manatees while they're there recuperating. And it's really, you know, allowing that message to go out that this is an imperiled species that man has caused the problems that exist and then man needs to be part of the solution.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and every time I've seen them at SeaWorld or um, I've seen them at, seen them at the Columbus Zoo too. They do a really good job. Right. But they uh do. The exhibits are just I mean just beautiful, you know, the underwater, obviously, you see the fish, the manatee, it, it's really neat uh, mixed species exhibits. If you ever have a chance, definitely go check
1: that out. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. That's awesome, Patrick. Well, Patrick, I would like to invite you over to the after show. Will you join me? Sure. Okay, sounds
1: great. Whatever it involves.
0: (laughs) Whatever it involves. Okay, uh, before we head on over to the after show, and listeners, if you want to join us for the after show, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash animals to the max. Patrick, how can people um, at home or listening save manatees? Are there any links you can direct them to before we head on over?
1: Well, savethemanatee.org. You have everything about the science that you want to see, the rescues, but also we'd love to have people get onto our action alert list where they can know then how they can write or get on a petition or other ways that they can make things happen. We have newsletters and so forth, too, that can inform people of both about the fun things that are happening as well and we'd love them to adopt a manatee. We have mm. the original adopt a manatee program and that's been a huge way that people can support the work that we do that so we can support all of our other partners in this and make it happen and they can really then they know they're participating in literally saving the manatees.
0: That's awesome and I will include the links in the show notes. All right, Patrick, you ready to go to the after show? Sure. Let's do it.